You've got to have that if you want explosive plays. Up-tempo for Miami, up the middle, near the 10-yard line for Cameron Harris. Van Dyke looking to the end zone. In stride, and a touchdown to Mike Harley. He beat Alonzo Mitchell, and the Kings are on the board on their first drive. They've had this CCSU defense out here a long time in this heat. Angling to the end zone and in. Cody Brown takes it in from 16 yards away. And a Kings TD. Van Dyke puts a little touch on this one inside the 10 of the 5, right in the pylon. And in. Charleston Rambo for Miami and 43 yards. Back on. Talked about his greatness and joining some of the great receivers. Miami over the top. And in for the score is Cody Brown. You're able to get all of this, but we're going to compete. We're going to back. Four for four on third down. Make it five for five. Garcia trying to hustle to the end zone. Just clipped near the five. Slow that's all. Up the middle, trying to the end zone with a penalty marker on the play. That was Harris. Hold on to 90 during that season, and we'll talk more about it throughout the game, what they have to do to continue this kind of offensive firepower. Little flip by Van Dyke. Harris comes it the other way, trying to outrun that secondary. but still gets there and effective. Offense can really get some things going with DJ and Will Shipley and some of the young guys that are stepping in now. Garcia to the end zone. Was that a one-handed grab? Incomplete. It looked like Brinson had made a spectacular catch. Officials right on top of it, incomplete. I don't know, they may look, look at this. Oh my goodness. Ball never hits the ground. I mean, he controlled that football. Did he go out of bounds? With the right hand. It's 56 to nothing. Inside the 45-yard line for three yards. That was good enough for a first down. How about 22 of them in the game? Well, we told you all the scoring drives in less than three minutes. Garcia airs it out inside the five. And cut for the score. Jacoby George, 44 yards and a Kings TD. Hello, Miami. I am Will, and you're listening to 305 Sports Now, your home podcast for all the best coverage in Miami sports related. And I must say this, it was a pretty exciting weekend, uh, although the Miami Dolphins uh, fell to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, almost at LA Raiders. Uh, you have to get used to still saying Vegas. The Miami Dolphins fell to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Miami Hurricanes did lay a thumping on the Blue Devils of Central Connecticut State. It was uh, a bit of a, a bit of a, I would say a pretty good sports weekend if you are a UM fan. And with the Miami Dolphins, it was a heck of a game, even though they did fall short. Now, today, pretty much, I'm going to give you guys, first of all, I want to thank, I have to thank, uh, once again, ESPN for providing that sound and Disturb for providing the music as well. But I must say this, that it, 
The Hurricanes did exactly what was expected of them. I'll cover the Hurricanes first, and then I'll go back into the Miami Dolphins, cover a little bit about FIU, and discuss our bonus episode that will air this Friday as the Shula Bowl will be this uh, Saturday, all right, October 2nd, which is going to be FIU versus FAU. So I want to discuss uh, a little bit about what happened with the Miami Hurricanes. The Miami Hurricanes, in general, were a 44-point favorite against the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils, all right? Now, that was a game in which Miami had to show out and show out they did, right? The Miami Hurricanes completely dominated, right, the much lesser opponents by completely crushing them both offensively and defensively with De'Ara King out due to that shoulder injury laid out at the hands of the Spartans of Michigan State. This was a great opportunity for the Miami Hurricanes to not only fix some things up in terms of their offense, but also to clean some things up in terms of their defense as tackling is not a big thing as per se in college football as it is maybe in high school and so on, and even the peewee leagues because of injuries and so on. This is a good opportunity for the Miami Hurricanes to work on their tackling, their defense, their, their setting their edges, and also to, so we can take a look at the future of our, of our quarterback situation. And the future looks very bright. Although this is a team that is much lesser than the ACC opponents will be facing in the next few weeks, this was a great showing by our quarterbacks. You needed to see what these guys had to offer. And the funny thing about both these guys, both TBD, Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia is that they're both different quarterbacks, right? Tyler Van Dyke is a pure pocket passer. All right. And Jake Garcia, it can be a pocket passer, but is a bit more mobile than Tyler. And both these guys showed out both of them combined for 21 for 25 for 417 yards passing, averaging 16 yards per play. All right. Each combining for five touchdowns, but I will say that TVD did have the better game. All right. TVD, Went 10 for 11, 270, averaging 24 yards per play, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a QBR rating of 99.9. Tyler Van Dyke, it did impress a lot of the fan base, as well as uh, did Jake Garcia with his end zone pass to Romello Brinson, and also that uh, that touchdown pass, which you heard in the highlights, to Jacoby George. But TVD was amazing when it came to zipping the ball into the flats, zipping the ball down the field. We saw a lot of downfield action, which was missing in this offense, mostly because uh, De'Ara King didn't have time to throw downfield because the line would quickly collapse, you know, and so on. But uh, but nonetheless, when given the opportunity, both these guys excelled at throwing the ball downfield and also throwing the ball to the wide over receivers. The receivers did a better job this time around of catching the football, including some spectacular catches by guys like Charleston Rambo, by guys like Jacoby George and uh, Brashard Smith as well, and also, of course, that wonderful one-handed grab that will be on the positive side of ES- – actually is on the positive side of ESPN's network's um, coverage with that one-handed grab in the end zone with the safety – I'm sorry, with the DB draped all over him. The running game also showed out. We saw some of the young guys as well as Cameron Harris ball this game. Cameron had 10 carries for 100 yards, including two touchdowns, the longest being 51 yards. But the ones that really did impress me were Thaddeus Franklin and Cody Brown. Cody Brown, who was a hyped-up four-star tailback, came in with 14 carries, 77 yards, and two touchdowns of his own. And Thaddeus Franklin, seven carries, 88 yards, 12 yards per carry, one touchdown, longest run of 31 yards. Cody Brown is a bit shiftier. Thaddeus Franklin is a bruiser. So wonderful combinations. And with Jalen Knighting coming back, the rotation for running back, for the Miami Hurricanes looks very 
very good. The offense, again, putting up 69 points. The defense shutting down this uh, this uh, Connecticut Central Connecticut Blue Devil team, Central Connecticut State Blue Devil team. And it, you can't say nothing wrong about what the Miami Hurricanes did. A lot of the fan base on social media is a bit mixed. Some people uh, saying that this is a much of a team, okay, that this, this was supposed to happen. Other fans seeing that the, the young freshmen or sophomores that are in this, uh, in this team for the Canes are absolute ballers. Their speed and on the defense side of the ball, there's power. James Williams gets his first pick as a Miami Hurricane. James Williams was the five-star defensive back coming out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All right, he had his first pick of the game. Actually, first pick of the season as a Kane as well. Everybody played well. It was a, it was an effort by everybody on each side, on both sides of the football, all right, as well. Leading the team in receptions was Brashard Smith with five catches and 91 yards at a touchdown. Uh, his longest catch was 75 yards. Okay, Cameron Harris had that one catch for 83 yards. And also we saw Xavier Restrepo, Mike Harley, all uh, getting into the action. Charleston Rambo didn't have the game that he had against uh, Michigan State, but still had a solid game with uh, two catches, 46 yards, that 42-yard pass that Teller Van Dyke threw to him in the first quarter. That was absolutely sensational. Only thing I will say, there was an absence of the tight end yet again. I would have liked to see Will Mallory take advantage of this game or even uh, even uh, Elijah Arroyo get in this game as well with a catch or two. But, oh, well, you know, it no, doesn't matter. Okay, uh, the receiving core did very well. We saw some speed from these young guys. We saw some accuracy from these QBs as well. The, again, the defense just flat out balled, okay? We had pretty much 31 guys with solo tackles, 55 total tackles for this game. That one interception as well, as mentioned by James Williams. So this was a great a great all-around team effort. We got to see Leonard Taylor as well, right? Leonard Taylor had three total tackles with one solo of his own, all right, and one, to, and one tackle for loss. So the five-star uh, defensive tackle out of Palmetto Senior High School got in this game, and people have been dying to see him. There's a lot of controversy because a lot of people want to see these guys play their young guys more. Uh, like guy like Zach McLeod, you know, who's been with this team forever. People think that Chance Williams should start over him at defensive end. Uh, Zach McLeod did get a sack in this game in particular. It's, look, this is a game. This was a very, very important game. And I have to agree with Manny Diaz in this regard. Manny Diaz mentioned that this is not uh, this is a sport that does not have a preseason, so you can't clean things up and you can't work on stuff like tackling and, and timing and so on. You have to take these cupcake games as a way to better your team, all right? And I think that I do agree with that. So this game was important because since, I, like I mentioned earlier, they can't go as hard in practice, right, because of fear of injury. And I believe also some NCAA rules. These are the games where you could kind of work on your technique. I remember years ago, the 2002 Canes, the team that lost the national championship game, national championship game against Ohio State, Brett Romberg was on 94 Zeta, and he was being interviewed by the two hosts at the time. And they asked him when they were playing UConn, well, what do you do with a game like UConn? And Brett Roberts said, eh, work on my technique. All right, so that's pretty much what, this, what happened in this game. The Canes were able to, since they were the more superior team, and I'm glad they showed it, unlike Florida State that lost to a team like Jacksonville State in a humiliating fashion at home, they were able to uh, dominate this game and work out a few kinks. So let's hope that on Thursday, it's a short week. Let's hope Thursday night they're able to continue that trend against Virginia. Virginia is a much better football team. They, the, that Breckel, that uh, that Mendehall team uh, is pretty tough, you know, and so on. They always play Miami tough, so we have to be on our best game against Virginia, against the Cavaliers, who had a tough loss against Wake Forest over the weekend. So that was uh, that was pretty tragic for Virginia. 
Hopefully they don't take it out on the Canes. The Canes get their first win in ACC play and move forward with continuous victories. Who will be the quarterback? We don't know. Uh, Derek King is right now evaluated day by day. Manny Diaz isn't sure if he's going to play in this game. Tyler Van Dyke is capable, but again, O-line has got to play well. The offensive line has got to keep TVD upright. If not, it's going to be a very difficult game for these Canes. Just the mere fact that Tyler Van Dyke is not as mobile as, um, as Deere King could be a problem. So maybe you do insert someone like a Jake Garcia uh, who could, you could roll him out a little bit more. And it's pretty accurate on rollouts. As we heard of that, that past Xavier Restrepo as well. He's a guy who could throw on the run. He could roll him out and make it, makes it difficult for defenses because he could beat you with his legs as well. Um, as we saw that one care 45 yards that Garcia had in that game. But nonetheless, if, if that has happened, TVD will get the start more than likely, and he needs to be protected. If not, it's going to be a long night for the Canes at home again. Like it's a very capable team like Virginia that knows how to play the Canes. Okay, they, they play each other every single year, and it's usually a very tough game, right, for, for both teams. All right, so that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about regarding the Canes. And again, again, the fan base as well was pretty mixed. People were happy. Some people were upset. People still saying, people were still talking still talk about Mario Cristobal and so on. And as I mentioned earlier, we need to get behind Manny Diaz. We need to get behind his coaching staff. Rhett Lashley called a very good game. We put up 69 points. That helps our, our statistics a bit on offense. As of right now, this is our coach. We need to get behind him unless the rails fall off. Then we could, then we could have that discussion. But until the season's over, until ACC play is over, until we see how the Canes end up at the end of the year, the fire Manny talk has got to stop. It's not good for recruiting, right? It's not good for this football team, okay? So we have to get behind our coach. And we have to get behind these kids and we have to wish them the most success as possible. All right. I believe that sometimes the fan base forgets that these are not NFL athletes. These are student athletes. All right. They're trying to get to the NFL and we need to stand behind them as, as my, as faithful Kane fans that we are, we got to root for our coaching staff. And Manny Diaz isn't stubborn. Manny Diaz is willing to make changes. All right. We've seen that with his coaching staff. We even seen that with some players. All right. As well. So we have to, you know, have faith in this team. We saw that when focused and, and when they get some, some good plays under the belts, they could really put something together and they did in this game. All right. They had the most offensive yards in school history in this game. And they played cupcakes in the past, including being the number one team in the country where they were the most dominant. They never put up these kind of numbers. So let's, let, let's enjoy this win as Canes fans. Let's have a good time with, with this, with this victory. And uh, let's go forward and, Let's hope we beat the pants off of Virginia and punish the Cavaliers and show the ACC that we are the U. We got more talent, and there's a reason why we're always top 20 recruiting, all right? And, and, and if we win the ACC, if we could do this, all right, if we challenge Clemson or whoever comes out of that ACC Atlantic division, because it looks wide open this year since Clemson lost to NC State over the weekend, all right, if we could win and, and, and go to a good bowl game, this coaching staff has proven they could turn it around, all right? So let, 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 let's give it a shot. Butch Davis. Lost games 47-0 to Florida State. Got pounded by Syracuse 66-13. I know the scholarship situation was different with Butch, right? But can you imagine Butch Davis in the era of social media? They would have hanged them on Twitter, all right? Let's get behind our coaching staff. It's the best we could do for these kids, all right? And let's go, and let's continue to root for the Miami Hurricanes because, again, it's a long season. ACC play is getting started. Let's see who starts at quarterback. Let's see how it goes against Virginia, and let's take it from there. All right, guys? Well, that's it for Kane's talk. Okay. So now we're going to go into the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins had another tough Sunday 
against the Raiders, but this time the victory wasn't as lopsided, all right, as it was against uh, the Buffalo Bills. This time the Miami Dolphins, to give them credit, did fight, okay? And I have to say, Jacoby Brissett has a lot of moxie, all right? Jacoby Brissett is one tough guy, man. 32 completions, 49, um, 49 attempts, okay, at 215 yards, and it was uh, – it was a pretty, it was a pretty rough day for, for this team. Jacoby Brissett, you know, got into the end zone uh, with seven carries, 37 yards to pretty much send this game into overtime. All right. You have Malcolm Brown as well with seven carries, 31 yards, got into the end zone with that nice 18 yard uh, rush into the end zone in the first quarter. I thought the, I thought the Dolphins would have dominated this game the way they started. All right. I really thought they would. I, I mean, I was happy to see it landed Roberts. Look, he was happy to be done running by the time he uh, finishes 85 yard touchdown. Uh, pick six, right at the hands of Derek Carr. Okay, and uh, when when they, we stopped him at fourth down, which was a poor decision by John Gruden, should have punted that ball there. We stopped him on fourth down after it was fourth and one, and then we see you know basically Malcolm Brown get into the end zone rather easily, right with that with that run, I believe of twenty four yards or eighteen yards, I, I don't quite remember. Uh, I thought this team, they're going to dominate the Raiders. I mean the Raiders have been caught off guard. All that all the guys just not manage the game. You know, the, the defense is going to play well. They're going to do what they have to do. But then that one play, it was that one play in the end zone. Okay. That, 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 that screenplay, they tried to do it at Jalen Waddle where he's tackled for a safety. I believe that's when momentum shifted. And I believe that's when the Raiders really felt that they could take over. They could got, then they got to 45. And then Derek Carr just got rolling. Listen, the stats are the stats, you know, in general. But I do believe that one of the main reasons why we lost this football game was because, once again, the offensive line. Although Jacoby was only sacked twice this game, he was hurting quite a bit. And, I, and that's the main, one of the main reasons why this offense, in many cases, was incredibly stagnant throughout, the whole, uh, throughout this whole ordeal. All right? And the second and third quarter, in particular, was when the offense really, 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 really laid an egg all right, for, for those two quarters. And... Um, I think uh, right now we're playing a soundbite from Coach Flores at his press conference, and I think Coach said it said it best. All right, so take a pause here really quickly so we can hear Coach Flores. I mean, I mean, there was definitely a lull there in the middle of the game, second and third quarter. Couldn't get much going offensively, um, and then uh, it looked like he got a lot more comfortable as the game went on, stepping up in the pocket, making some made some 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 big throws there at the end, uh, some big plays at the end. Uh, uh, bring us back and send the game into overtime, but you know, ultimately it just wasn't enough. Um, we got to play better ac across the board, offensively, defensively, and in the kicking game. Uh, but you know, these guys is a resilient group. They'll get back to work and you know do everything they can and make the corrections so that we can play a little bit better. All right. Well, that was Coach Flores with that uh, with that statement there regarding a uh, play within the within the the second and third quarter. But let's go over a little bit about the Raiders. Um, the Raiders started out 2-0 last year. They're 3-0 now, but they've had they've been 3-0 against three potential playoff teams. They beat the Ravens, okay, in the first in the first game of the season. They uh, defeated the Steelers last week, and now they defeated the Miami Dolphins. Derek Carr had one heck of a game. All right, after that interception uh, by Landon Roberts, he pretty much settled in his in his football game. 26 completions, 43 attempts, 386 yards passing against one of the best secondaries in the NFL, in my opinion with two touchdowns and one pick, All right, The running game as well, Peyton Barber, 
23 carries for 111 yards, averaging almost five yards per carry with a one touchdown as well. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake really wasn't that effective uh, in this football game, but Peyton Barber really was the bell cow for the Raiders, and John Gruden loves to run that football. Okay, continuing with the stats from the Raiders, uh, you have Brian Edwards at three catches, 89, 89 yards. Hunter Renfro, the former the former uh, standout from, uh, from Clemson University, five catches, 77 yards with one touchdown. And Darren Waller, who was a nightmare last year for the fans, was kept in check but caught the football when needed to be with five receptions, 54 yards receiving, and a long of 23 yards that uh, I believe was on a third down play where, um, where Derek Carr put up for grabs. Derek Carr was smooth in this game, and the line did protect them pretty well right throughout most of the game. The Dolphins did get – uh, did get about three sacks on car. All right, did get about three uh, sacks on car during this game, but uh, but nonetheless, he was able to literally pick this defense apart. All right, and, and even challenging guys like Xavier Howard, uh, Howard, and uh, Byron Jones as well, and Brandon Jones as well. So, but I will say this: the defensive line did hold up pretty well, even though they got hit pretty good a few times. But uh, I mean, meaning that up up the gut and so on. But they did hold off quite a bit. And when your offense gets gets knocked out of the next, pretty much goes three and out or can't uh, can't can sustain drives, it does wear on your defense. And it is pretty hot in Las Vegas, so it uh it can get uh it can get pretty pretty tedious. The one guy that really uh that really stood out was Denzel Perriman, the former K middle linebacker, ten solo tackles, fourteen total tackles for this game. So the Raiders could be for real. So they could challenge in the AFC this year, depending on how the season goes. It's still a long season, and they could uh. They could collapse, you know, like they did last year. But the way Carr is playing and the way the games are being called, I really don't think so, all right, for this uh, for this team. All right, for the Miami Dolphins on offense, as I mentioned, you know, Jacoby Brissett was, uh, was a tough cookie, all right, running for one touchdown and throwing a nice uh, nice touchdown pass. Actually, I'm sorry, he had no touchdowns game, forgive me. But throwing uh, – but being very instrumental in the fourth quarter and his delivery and almost willing his team to win uh, – in, in overtime with that great pass to Mike Gusecki, which pretty much kept the drive going, which allowed for a field goal to, to occur by Jason Sanders. Uh, but the, the, so Gusecki had 10 catches in this game and Jalen Waddle had 12 catches in this game. But the one that really stood out to me was Gusecki with 10 catches, 86 yards. All right. And that, and that long of 27 yards, like I said, they keep the drive going. If the Dolphins don't miss this, uh, don't miss that field goal early in the game, they do win this football game. But you can say the same thing for the Raiders. There were a couple of miscues here and there for both teams. But I do believe that Sanders' miss was the most costly one because we wouldn't even be going to overtime uh, during this process. So we have to literally uh, uh, give credit where credit is due. You know, like, you know, that's just the way the game goes. That's just the way the game goes in general. And that's just the way, you know, football is. All right. Just going by team comparisons, again, you know, we look at, we look at the way the Dolphins played and so on. You know, we look at the fact that the, the Raiders had 28 first downs, the Dolphins 22. Okay. Uh, the, the Dolphins in general, you know, third down efficiency wasn't the best uh, at six, uh, six for 18. The Raiders were eight for 15. All right. As well, you know, you have fourth down efficiency. Miami was three for four. The Raiders were over one total yards. The Raiders only have nearly 500 yards of offense. The Dolphins, 330. They ran 81 plays. The Dolphins ran 78 plays. So it's pretty even there as well. Like I said, rushing, the Dolphins had 133. The Raiders had about 140. But Barber's uh, running uh, running attack really wore on the Dolphins during the second half All right, of that, of that game, especially in the fourth quarter. 
when uh when they were able to literally sustain sustain drives for the Raiders. All right, so that's pretty much uh, what I have to say. Again, the offensive line has got to play better. Uh, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. We could have drafted Justin Herbert. If he's running for his life, that is not good for this team. Okay, so we have to maintain, you know, drives. We have to be able to, to, be able to make sure we get the ball to our playmakers as well. The Miami Dolphins spent a lot of money and draft capital and so on, on uh, basically on speedsters. Okay, the Dolphins re-signed Devontae Parker about a year or two ago. They signed Wolf Fuller, you know, in, in this game. He could have had a, a, the game when he touched down, but he was well covered by the Raider defensive back, all right, as well. You know, uh, we, we signed, you know, Malcolm Brown, you know, as a power back. We could have actually drafted our own running back. That could have that pretty much fit our system very well. Even though Brown had a pretty good game overall, all right. But we really may have to, again, it isn't attractive, but we may have to go and draft a, an, a lineman, all right, a stud lineman in the first round that, that's a can't miss. I mean, people criticized the Raiders for picking Alex Leatherwood for Alabama, but I mean, Derek Carr is doing pretty well. So I think that pick, like I said earlier in another podcast, that Alex Leatherwood was a good pick, criticized that the Raiders went that route, but nonetheless, it's working. Okay, so I do believe that the Dolphins may, in next year's draft, have to dress the line again, all right, and it may have to, may have to draft the lineman in the first round. All right, I was listening to Don Strzok, former – Miami, uh, Miami Dolphin quarterback, you know, backed up Dan Marino and so on. And, for, and he's the first coach uh, at FIU, the history of FIU. And he had that great game against the San Diego Chargers in which, uh, in which Dan Fouts and him went at it. In the end, the Chargers won here in Miami. But um, he was right. He said, one of the biggest things about offensive line is that it's consistency. These guys, you know, have to know each other. It's not good to change guys from left tackle to left guard, from right tackle to right guard. That one guy plays center and another guy plays center. The Dolphins interchange linemen way too much. You have to get, you have to have a group and stick with that group. Those are your five guys at those positions. And that's what they're used to playing. And that's what's going to have to be. Most, most football teams that are successful keep the same line. They don't change up their line. They don't mix and match their line. The line has got to be consistent. All right. Dealing with, with speed rushers to dealing with big nose, go, nose tackles are totally different. All right, so if you're a guy that's used to taking on a guy that's about maybe 225 that's coming off the edge, and you got to take on a guy that's 310 pounds, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit different. You know, guard play is different than tackle play. And the Miami Dolphins are going to have to settle on a line and run with it for the whole year, all right, and maybe address it in the offseason and get some guys. But listen, if Leon, if Leon, if Liam Heikenberg is a left tackle, keep him at left tackle. Don't keep shifting him around. Keep him in that position. Very rarely do we do, do we make an end into a, a uh, to play the tackle position, a defensive tackle. Defensive end is usually stays as defensive end. Okay, so let's let's just keep that going. And I think that's the major problem with the Dolphins. There's no consistency at the offensive line, and the quarterback is the one that pays for it. Tua's got cracked ribs because of it, right? Because of inconsistent line play. Jacoby Brissett today once again ran for his life. Why? Inconsistent line play, and that's something that that the team is going to have to one day address, you know, and maintain some form of consistency. And I think that's, and I think that's very feasible that we could, uh, that, that we as a, as a football team could actually do that. All right. The Dolphins next week play the, uh, the Colts. They're 0-3. We got them here at home. We have to take the opportunity. We have to take the opportunity to beat this team. All right. And we need to beat this team at home and we need to get back on a winning track because if not, 
we're going to see ourselves literally at one and three, and it could be a problem. It could be a major problem for this football team uh, going on forward. So that's just a little bit of, uh, of my take on the Miami Dolphins. I know I'm a little bit hard on the coaching staff. Again, I do believe in this football team. I do believe they will get things cleaned up. I was never sold on having uh, multiple offensive coordinators, but let's give it a chance. I'm a pretty optimistic guy, so I say let's do it. Um, let's say I say let's do it, you know, in general. But uh, but let's see what happens for the year. Okay, again, you're playing a team that you're better than, and I do believe this is a team that you could cl- they could clean things up. All right, so that's uh that's something that I really want to, I really just wanted to make a, make a statement. I really wanted to address as well. Okay, now as uh, I finish my statement of the Miami Dolphins, I just want to quickly cover FIU. All right, and cover the Golden Panthers of FIU. They lost a tough one last night to the Chippewas of Central Michigan. The Golden Panthers at the moment are one and three. All right, while Central Michigan finishes at two and two, and the Golden Panthers lose this game. All right, as Daniel Richardson, the backup quarterback, comes in and lights them up in the fourth quarter with three touchdown passes. Richardson finishes the game with 16 of 23, 276 yards, and three touchdowns. But once again, a good showing by Max Bortschlager at 20 for 38, almost 400 yards passing with two touchdowns. Devontae Price, 17 carries for 50 yards. All right, not a very good game for Devontae, but he did get a, he did uh, end up in the end zone with one touchdown. All right, so Tyrese Chambers, however, right, the, the standout wide receiver for the Golden Panthers, six receptions, 175, right, 175, and one touchdown to his name. So tough loss for the Golden Panthers, for them, sorry, for the, for the, yeah, right, for the Golden Panthers of FIU. All right. And next week is the Shula Bowl, right? We have the Shula Bowl, which is an annual football game uh, between. FIU and FAU, the two interstate rivals, right? A bit of a conference USA showdown here between the two. They play each other every single year since both of them started their football teams. First two coaches to face off were Howard Schmellenberger and Don Strock. Right now, it is Willie Taggart for FAU versus Butch Davis for FIU, all right? This upcoming Friday, I'm going to give you a bonus interview, all right? We have a bonus show. All right, yes, as uh, we will talk about FIU versus FAU from the, from the perspective of former players, Kevin Timothy, former defensive back for FIU and former, former linebacker defensive back for FIU, James Knapp as well. All right, so we're going to discuss it. They'll give their perspectives on what it was to be um, basically FIU's first ever recruiting class, what this game means, and the importance of the Shula Bowl itself, Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for me. I am Will for 305 Sports Now. If you like what you heard, please download this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to leave a donation, please go on anchor.fm, all right, and leave your donation as we are a podcast that relies on the services of, um, of listeners. Okay, so everybody, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Actually, have yourselves a wonderful week. Take care and God bless. Until next time, see you soon.